Hello everyone and welcome back to the bonus content series of Reasons for Recovery. So if you did not tune in to last week's episode that I posted on Saturday, first of all you should go back and listen to that because it's a good one. <laughs> um, but if you missed it, there was an important announcement that I um, said in that episode, which was I will be posting two podcast episodes this week. And I'm doing that because a couple of weeks ago, I skipped um, that week because of technical difficulties and I couldn't get the podcast up on time. But I finally got everything situated with that. And that is the episode that you are currently listening to. So this is essentially just a continuation of the previous bonus content series that I um, did first uh, out of the two series that I'm doing, where I interview people in my life um, and get their perspective of what it's like to know somebody with an eating disorder. So I had one more episode that I wanted to make uh, with this, and that's the one that I missed. Um, But like I said, that's the one that you're currently listening to right now. So uh, basically, this is going to be... Um, the last episode of that bonus content series. And in this episode, we're going to be interviewing another friend of mine. As you know, if you've been listening to the series uh, previously, I interviewed a family member, my sister-in-law, Allie. I interviewed my own husband. Um, I interviewed another friend of mine, Kennedy. And this week, we're going to be hearing the perspective of my bestest friend. Uh, Her name is Natalie. If you've been a longtime listener, I've mentioned her many times on this podcast, so you'll know how exciting this episode's going to be. To give you guys some background information on how I know Natalie, I've known her forever. (laughs) I've known her for almost my entire life. We met in preschool when we were like four years old or so. And we've been amazing friends ever since. She was the maid of honor at my wedding. Um, She has been with me through every stage of life and, of course, will continue to be in my life. She has been such an amazing um, support through my recovery and always knows the the good things to say in life. You know, she's very good at... Um, helping me remember the positives, and she's very good with um, her words, and she's very knowledgeable, and just she just knows the right things to say, and I really like that about her. So today we're going to be hearing from her and what she has to say um, of what it's like uh, having a best friend who is dealing with an eating disorder. Now, contrary to all of the previous people that I have interviewed, Natalie has known me through every single step of my eating disorder um, journey, you know, pre-recovery, during recovery, post-recovery. The only other person that I interviewed that has known me, you know, through all of those stages is my sister-in-law, but she has not known me to the extent that Natalie has known me, and especially when it comes to my eating disorder um, and, you know, my whole journey through that. So I think this episode is going to be a really good one because we're going to get some detailed information from Natalie. Like I um, said in the last episode, she sent in some uh, lengthy recordings, which is good because um, it it really puts into the perspective of what it's like, uh, you know, for her to see me go through all of that stuff. And like I said, it really works out because I wanted to make this episode longer anyways to make up for the fact that I didn't 
posted on time, so this will be longer than usual. It's not going to be like 15 minutes like all my other bonus content episodes have been. Um, so that's a little treat for you guys. This will be a little bit longer. But hopefully listening to what Natalie has to say will really help you out if um, anyone out there is listening that has a really close friend to them uh, that is suffering from an eating disorder and what it is uh, you know, like to deal with that and what you could po- possibly do in order to help them out with that. Uh, today, Natalie's just going to be um, guiding us through you know, what's the best thing to say, what the best um, advice is for those out there that is uh, that are dealing with this, and just what emotions she went through, um, you know, knowing me through all of those stages of life um, before I got help and while I was in recovery and even post-recovery. I listened to these recordings like a week ago before I really you know, put this all together. And like I said, these are amazing responses. They're very detailed and very, very informative. So I highly suggest that you listen to this episode. You know, all of the episodes I've posted interviewing people, they've all been great. But if there's one that I would ask you to listen to the most, it would definitely be this one. This is a very good and very detailed episode. Um, what it is like having a friend or someone very, very close to you um, dealing with an eating disorder. So in the past episodes, you know, I have broken up each recording um, to introduce what the question is um, before I let the person respond. But Natalie um, kind of already says the questions in her responses, so I will not uh, be talking in this episode until the end of this podcast. Um, So I'm just going to let Natalie take it away with her responses, and I'll see you guys at the end. So the first question that Chris asked me was, what is it like to have someone close to you struggling with an eating disorder? Um, Chris is the only person in my life who I've very seriously been able to witness go through this process there was a girl in high school I knew that um, she was kind of bulimic and struggled with that and I was able to personally help her through that but I think Chris is the closest person to me that I've ever seen go through something like this and I remember just um being really sad towards the end of high school as I watched her get smaller and smaller and at first I didn't want to say anything I talked to my mom about it a lot but I didn't want to say anything because Chris has always been really active physically and so I was hoping that she was just doing a little too much cardio and was maybe maybe um slimming up but there came a point where it was definitely more than it should have been to an unhealthy point and um I remember debating with my mom back and forth asking you know is this our place is this something I need to get involved in is this something I need to comment on and so I think I remember just kind of reaching out to Chris more and just being like, hey, I hope you know I love you. Like, I hope you know you're beautiful and 
just trying to send positive energy her way and be uplifting. Um, <clears throat> there was a Christmas party, I think it was after, or maybe during the first year of college, I'm not sure, um, maybe it was senior year of high school, I don't know, but there was some kind of Christmas party that we had, and at that point, it was just very obvious to everyone that Chris had become at a stage in her disorder where, like, it had become unhealthy, and it was obvious to the point where we could not be okay with being bystanders at that point. Um, I no longer felt comfortable not getting involved, but I, it's a sensitive thing, and so I didn't want to say the wrong thing, and so I think I just texted her mom, and I said, hey, um, I'm really worried for Chris, and I would like to tell you that I'm concerned and that if there's anything I can do like I will like is she okay what's going on and um I think her mom just told me we're working on it with her um but even Chris will tell you in the beginning stages of her um, recovery. She was very um, in denial, very defensive, especially with her parents. And so I think that was a difficult thing. And um, I don't know, me and Chris have never had to deal with something so serious. So I didn't really feel comfortable getting into her business like that, even though you know, at that point, I was really concerned for her health. Um, so yeah, my, my way of going about it was just making sure that she, the people that were immediately around her, her parents, um, I was making sure that they were aware that they were doing what they needed to do, you know, that she was getting doctor visits, and that that was starting to happen. I think I didn't step in more because I myself just was kind of caught off guard. I mean, it all happened so fast in a way. When it got really bad, I wasn't even around Chris. I was in, um, I keep wanting to say Krista. That's why I keep saying her name weird. But um, when it got really bad, I wasn't even around her. I was in college 2,000 miles away. So... I wasn't able to be there for her in the way that I would have liked to be. And because I wasn't around much. <clears throat> and we went to different high schools, too. So Chris and I have not been around each other in a close way since we were in middle school. And I mean, like, physically close. Um, so because of that... I feel like I kind of got caught off guard, like, it all happened so fast from my perspective, 
um, that I just, I didn't know what to do at that point. I felt like this is either really bad or this is really bad. (laughs) Like it had gotten too far. So, um, it didn't start really taking a toll on me until the day I got the text from her that she was, I think she was in the hospital or she was in her psych ward or something, somewhere where she was um, having to be, you know, in a medical facility. And I remember I had just gotten out of class. Um, I really hated college, and so anytime I got a message from anyone at home, I was just so happy. And I got out of my class, and I checked my phone, and my heart immediately just sank, and I kind of went into a shock. Um, I got a text from, I think, both Chris and her mom saying that she won't be able to talk to me for a few days. She'll be in the ER or something like that. And I immediately started sobbing, crying in the middle of all this foot traffic on campus. Like there were people walking around me. I felt like it was just a really like scary moment. And I was sobbing. I couldn't breathe. And I ran back to my dorm. It was about half a mile away or so, or maybe longer. I don't know. Um, I ran all the way back to my dorm and I just fell onto my bed and sobbed. And I was terrified because at that point it hit me that, you know, there's a chance that I could lose her because of what she's going through, and that had not hit me previously. Um, Previously, I just saw, you know, she's not doing well. She's in an unhealthy state, but when I got that text, that was the first time I realized that there was a chance that I could lose my best friend, so I couldn't handle that, and so I kind of just had to come apart, and this isn't necessary to share, but I'll share it anyways. When I got back to my dorm and I was crying, I gathered myself, and I looked up, and I looked up at the face of Christ on my wall. I, at the time, had a painting of him on my wall, and I looked up, and that, while it was one of the hardest moments for me, it was also a really comforting one, because in the moment of just fear and just being terrified and in despair, I looked up and I saw hope, and I started praying and I just prayed that God would protect her and that she would be okay. So 
sounds dramatic, but it was, honestly. It's really scary when someone you love is going through something so detrimental and so life-altering, and it's just not fun to be the person going through it or the people that are affected by it. And so I'm really grateful that Chris has overcome that and has honestly defeated it and continues to defeat it. So super grateful for that. The next question that Chris asked me was, how have I helped in someone's recovery? Um, if I'm going to be honest, I don't feel like I was much help in Chris's recovery. Um, I tried to reach out and support her as much as I could, but I honestly just felt like this was something she was going to have to do on her own and with the strength of the Lord. So I prayed a lot. Um, I reached out in support, letting her know that, you know, I was proud of her and that she was strong and that I just really wanted to see her healthy again. And at times I would... um, be there for comfort, you know, when she would express that it's hard to see the weight come back, but, um, I was able to just be there a few times and offer support. I think it might be different if I was physically near her during this process, but I've always, for a while, we've been physically far apart just that's the nature of our friendship right now being in different places in life um but I will say when I was in high school and I had a friend who was struggling with bulimia I think that's what it's called um I was right next to her the first time I discovered her doing those things and I was in the bathroom stall next to her and I overheard it and I immediately asked her um I'll just say her name was Jill it wasn't but I'll just say her name was Jill so I said Jill and she said what and I was like what are you doing and she said nothing and I said okay are you okay And she was like, yeah, and then she came out of the stall, and I could just tell that she was lying to me. So I sat her down, and I said, why do you do that? And she said, well, it's the only way. You know, I'm a bigger girl. It's the only way that I can lose weight. And so that's what she would do. She would, um, she would do that after she ate, like, at school, um, and we were both singers, so she would do it before our performances so that she would feel more slim, and I honestly would argue that I got too involved with this one, um, but I just felt like this was my place because, 
This was a girl who really looked up to me in high school. She was about two grades younger than me. Um, I was kind of stern with her, actually, almost motherly. And I said, I would tell her all the time, you're beautiful, period. Like, you don't need to do that. And, you know, if weight loss is a goal for you in the long run, there are so many healthier ways to do that, you know, if you want to do that for health purposes, but you are literally gorgeous, which she was, um, regardless of her weight. And I would tell her, I don't want you to do that. And of course she would not comply. And she would say, well, I don't care what you say, Natalie, because I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I've made this decision on my own. And I didn't like that response, so I took it the next step, which maybe I shouldn't have, but I went to the school counselor and I said, I'm really worried about this child, um, which she was 16 at the time. And I I told the counselor, you know, she's one of my best friends. I'm terrified that she's going to end up really damaging her body. She's and her mental health, like, this is just horrible to do, and I'm worried for her, um, and the school counselor did get involved, which at first made Jill really upset, um, she thought, you know, Natalie, why did you do that, I am not gonna stop, I, really want to lose this weight and I told her I understand that but this is because I love you and I think I just kept reiterating I love you I love you I love you like please stop I'm begging you I love you there's better ways to go about these goals of yours and this is self-harm and this is not out of respect for the gift that the Lord has given you with your body. And so I think I just reiterated that I love you and that I want you to be get better. And if I, you know, again, I reached out to Chris in support with her recovery, but if I was closer to her physically during this process, I would have just said repeatedly, like, keep going. I love you. Keep going. I love you. I care about you. I need you to get through this. And that's what I would do. What do I think is the best thing to say to someone who confides in you about an eating disorder? You know, I don't think Chris ever told me um, before it was like, time for recovery um I don't think Chris told anybody if I'm gonna be honest um I might be wrong but I think it was really hard for her because again I think she was in denial which a lot of people are I feel like most people even that are going through a disorder like that are in denial and they don't want to admit that they have this problem that's in their control because it can make you feel like you're not in control. And um, 
I feel like if someone came to me and they said, Natalie, I'm going to acknowledge that I have a problem and that this is harmful to myself, I would first thank them for trusting me with that. And I would say, thank you. You can tell me anything. I am not someone who's going to betray you. Um, you can trust me. And then I would say, I love you. And I'm so proud of you for acknowledging that because that is the hardest part. And I would say, you know, we can only go up from here. And you are strong enough to conquer this, but you're going to have to get help. That is what I would say. I wouldn't just say, good luck, buttercup, you got this. But I would say, you need to get help. This is not something that you can do on your own. Like, you need professional medical help with this issue. And during that process, you have my support. I will be here no matter what. I will be here through, you know, your successes and your mistakes and the ups and downs. And that's probably what I would say. So, yeah. What's some advice I would give to people who have someone in their life that's currently struggling with an eating disorder? You know, something that comes to mind is binging. Um, that's another eating disorder, and that runs in my family. I feel like more so than anything, I mean, there is a little bit of, like, eating too little that runs in my family in an effort to stay really thin. Um, it's, my family is not known for having a good relationship with food. Not one person in my entire family has a good relationship with food especially on my mom's side. And one issue that we tend to struggle with on this side of the family is binging, um, myself included. I feel like that's something I struggle with. Um, and I've seen loved ones go through that. And oftentimes I don't know what to say because it's another reason why I didn't reach out to Chris more I just don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to make them feel attacked. I don't want anyone to get insecure. Because when you confront someone about their personal eating habits, it can cause like a very vulnerable and insecure moment or a mindset. And if someone out of the blue confronted me about my eating habits, I would get very insecure and uncomfortable about that. However, because of my issues, um, I think it depends on who it is, and I think it depends what you say, depends on what you say, excuse me, had to hiccup, but if someone were to reach out to me about my issues, I would hope that they would say, Simply, hey, Natalie, if you ever want to talk to anyone about this, I'm here. Or if you ever want to um, change something, 
I'll be here with, through the ride with you. I think what would make me uncomfortable is if someone specified what they think I'm doing wrong because that provides an opportunity for someone to get defensive. Like if someone said, hey, Natalie, are you sure that you have... Well, I guess I wouldn't mind if someone said, are you sure you have a healthy relationship with food? But it just depends on the person it comes from and if it's in a loving way. Um, I think if someone were to say something insensitive, like you eat way too much in, in one sitting or you eat way too little. Like if, if someone were to say something like that, that's, um, that's insensitive and can cause, you know, the other person to get defensive. And even though you might be trying to protect them by calling them out, it's not the way to do it. When I've had family members um, going through bad eating habits that aren't healthy for them, like eating too much or too little or whatever the case may be, I don't tend to directly call anyone out on it just because our family's very sensitive about that thing. But I tend to be very outward about my example and that goes for like in every aspect of life if I want someone to change something in their life or if I have if I want to influence them I'm always going to lead by example and so let's say someone in my life you know binges for example Well, I'm not saying that in front of them, I'd only eat a grape for dinner, but I'm saying like, maybe I would start cooking more nutrition dense meals because when you eat more nutritious foods, your body gets fuller. But if the food you're eating lacks nutrients, you may be more likely to binge, for example, And so maybe I would start there and I would make sure that that person is getting all the nutrients they need in each meal. And I think you just kind of play it by ear and pray about it and receive guidance from the Lord. Um, You do have to be sensitive about these things, though. And I'm not saying you have to walk on eggshells, but everything you have to do must be done in love. That is the kicker, I think, is you cannot be judgmental when approaching these things. You cannot approach these things and say, my, ba- my way of doing things is better than yours. But you must approach it in love and say, I love you. I care about you. I, I care about the health of your body and your mind. And I have just a few suggestions or just live by example and see if that affects anything. And then if your example doesn't affect anything, then maybe you can gently confront them and say, hey, let's let's do this together. You know, don't single anyone out. But that's really all the thoughts I have about it. Um, I struggle with my own eating habits and issues and perception of self and body image and all that. And I feel like at this point, most American women do. So (laughs) I think 
my philosophy is just we all need to support each other. We all need to love one another and and receive people where they are in their journey. Everyone is at a different stage in their journey and just receive people as they are and accept their bodies and their minds as they come. So yep, that's what I would say. And I love you, Chris. All right, so there you guys go. Um, thank you so much, Natalie, for sending in those recordings. And I really hope that um, these recordings were helpful for you um, and that you resonated with them and learned something new. Uh, maybe if you are someone listening right now that has a friend who is dealing with this sort of stuff and you weren't quite sure how to approach it, hopefully, like I said, these recordings resonated with you in some sort of way. If there's anything that you heard today in this episode that you would like to know more about, or if there's anything you've heard in this podcast in general um, that you would like to talk about or know more about, um, I would be glad to talk to you. Um, My Instagram DMs are open. My Instagram handle is down in the description for you to use. And if you're not a social media person, uh, I also have my email down there as well. You can send me any message you would like uh, about the podcast. If you heard something from this episode that you would really like to um, get more knowledge on. Or if you just need somebody to talk to uh, with this um, this stuff that you might be going through. Because eating disorders are tough. Recovery is tough as well. And if you just need some support in some sort of way, I'm definitely open to that. I will respond to anybody and everybody. And also, if you think you are ready um, for medical professional help uh, with your recovery, because I'm not a medical professional whatsoever, um, and definitely to kickstart your recovery, reaching out for professional help is the number one thing you need to do. Um, So if you feel like you're ready for that or you'd like some more information on that, I have hotlines down in the description for you to call and also some websites uh, down in the description uh, as well for you to visit uh, to get some more information um, on recovery and all sorts of things regarding that. Yeah, that is all I have for you guys for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the extra long episode and uh, Natalie's responses. And like I said, we're going to have two podcasts this week, so I'll see you all on Saturday for a continuation of my other bonus content series. Um, But yeah, thank you all for listening and remember to stay safe and healthy.